G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. The miracle of the day of Pentecost is not that the disciples spoke in languages they did not know. I mean, that is a miracle. But what is the communication here? Because some of you can't see the forest for the trees. The miracle of Pentecost is that God came down on those disciples. They received a special miracle. And as a result, they were able to proclaim the wonders of God in a way that the whole world present could understand. Today. 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 With Jeff Fines. We are taking the gospel to the world. Pastor, apologist, and Bible teacher. One truth that will be delivered in love and compassion, connecting every one person to all that God has promised them. You make me Today. Today. Today with Jeff Vines. Hello and welcome. This is Today with Jeff Vines. My name is Bill and thanks so much for being with us. We're about to continue a message from Acts chapter 2 with the arrival of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost and we're looking at how God worked through the early believers to draw His people close to Him as the church begins. Let's hear from Pastor Jeff now as he continues in Acts chapter 2. Now, if you're a thoughtful person at all, you're going to read this passage. God says, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. You're going to see that. And you say, on the other hand, God says, yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of their parents to the third and fourth generation. I am the Lord. And if you read those two back to back, any thoughtful person is going to do what? Man, God is schizophrenic. He doesn't know who he is. First, he says, I just want to love people and I seek to forgive people who are wicked. And then he says, but I by no means are going to clear the guilty and leave any debt unpaid. And this is in the context of God saying to Moses, I'm going to show you my goodness. And in showing him his goodness, he says, I will never overlook a sin. How's that good? Well, part of it is, if you remember last week, we used the example, if a man commits a crime and has his day in court, and then he goes to the judge and says, judge, you know, I know I did this really bad thing, but I'm really sorry. And the judge goes, oh, well, if you're sorry, boom, next case. If you have a judge that takes criminal activity so lightly as to allow a person to go free without justice to the victims, we would not call him a good judge. On the other hand, God says, you know, I love people. I don't want anyone to perish. I want to show kindness even to the wicked of the world. Now, why does he say that? Again, because he's good. I want to punish evil. Why? Because he's good. I want to forgive wicked. Why? Because he's good. Now, most people will see that and say, well, it's just obvious God's going to have to choose. When hearing this for the first time, most people, well, he's got to make up his mind who he really is. 
He's either going to act on his justice goodness and punish evildoers, or he's going to act on his love goodness and forgive and show mercy. Now, if that's what you think, then the Spirit of God has never come on you. He's never filled you with his truth, and you don't yet get it, and that's a big part of why you're struggling. Do you, real, do you see this is where all our problems come from, folks? And that's why you're not praising. That's why you come in here on the weekend and you're like this. That's why there's no interest. That's why you, you fall asleep. That's why you never get excited. That's why, and I'm not saying you have to dance around. You can get excited and, and, and look like this, but you know whether you're excited or not because you've never known the real God. You don't declare his glory. You, you, you don't worship because you say he's worthy of worship, but you don't know why. You go through the motions. There's no deeply felt omnipotence. Yeah, you say, Pastor Jeff, that's me, that's me. Help me, help me, I don't feel God. Well, okay then. It might be because you simply don't know him. The Spirit of God has not yet filled you. You don't know the truth about God, especially if you never or seldom are overwhelmed with a desire to worship and praise and give adoration and thanksgiving. When the Spirit of God descends on you, comes to you, the realization of all his goodness overwhelms you. Your heart is melted and you are forever changed. And your heart is melted when you see all the goodness of God and there's only one place you see that. You get a Jesus revelation. You start for the first time in your life to see who he really is. Not who you think he ought to be. Not how you've created him in your own image, but who he really is. And suddenly you do this. You say, oh my goodness, Jesus is much more than just a good example for me. He's much more than just a good teacher that I should follow or my hero who saved me. No, you've seen all the goodness of God and you saw it on the cross where his justice goodness is expressed when Jesus paid the penalty for your sin and his justice love is expressed in that he himself bore your sorrow and sin. And when you really get that, you'll say, wow, God loved me. God pursued me and God chooses to make his home in my heart. And you will be so overwhelmed that he would love and forgive a sinner like you. You can't help but to praise his name. Until you get both sides of the glory of God, you cannot and have not been filled with the Spirit of God, and you will not be overwhelmed with how wonderful He is. So if you come to me, and this is symptomatic, it's almost epidemic in the West. If you come to me and say, well, Jeff, I hear you, but I'm sorry, I just can't believe in a God who would punish evildoers. Well, you have the right to believe that, but let me tell you something. If you say that, that tells me you've never been filled with the Spirit of God because the Spirit shows you the entire goodness of God, the love goodness, the justice goodness, and you stand amazed that God could forgive a sinner like you. And then you will praise him. You say, what's the point of all this? The miracle of the day of Pentecost is not that the disciples spoke in languages they did not know. I mean, that is a miracle. But what is the communication here? Because some of you can't see the forest for the trees. The miracle of Pentecost is that God came down on those disciples. They received a special miracle. And as a result, they were able to proclaim the wonders of God in a way that the whole world present could understand.
that he is holy. They saw the holiness and the goodness of God. They had not yet seen both sides before. They're just now putting the whole cross thing together. The spirit drops a paradigm bomb. Suddenly they know God is holy and just as God is loving and everything's fulfilled on the cross. So they start to preach the gospel. 3,000 people come to Jesus that day because they started to see for the first time the entire goodness and glory of God. Listen, do you understand when that paradigm bomb goes off in your head and you really get this and how blessed you are, then you'll start to praise and worship him because you'll realize this is the key to a transcendent experience because it is no longer you who live then, but Christ who lives in you. And quite frankly, you can't even see this. You can't see who God really is until the spirit of God comes upon you. Do you understand that this is the main source of all our anxiety and guilt? You see how all this is connected? Some of you who are Christians been in church, you've had no joy. Even church is kind of like, let me go get this over with so I can see the movie and go out to dinner with my friends. To be honest, there's no anticipation when you come in. It's appeasement. You got to get past that. But the only way you can get past that is to understand who God really is, both parts of God, justice, holiness, love, forgiveness, when you really get this, I mean, when, it, when you really get, one, who you really are, who you really are, and two, who God really is, you'll start to weep. You will weep. It will drive you to your knees, and you'll say, man, I know who I am, man. I'm not that good, and yet God loves me and wants relationship with me. You say, yeah, Jeff, what about the anxiety associated with this world that we still live in? Ah, yes, here we go. Okay, we're rounding third, but it's going to be a long way to home. This miracle happens on Pentecost. We said Pentecost means 50. What is it? Pentecost is the celebration of first fruits. Now remember, we're asking, why did God do the miracle on Pentecost? And so you have Israel as an agrarian society. That is that they depend on good weather and good soil for good crops. And they believe that when the harvest is great, and even when it's not, they believe every good and perfect gift comes from Father above. And so they had this festival, Pentecost, to bring their first fruits of all that God had given them as an example, as an outward demonstration of what they said they believed inwardly, that God is the provider of everything. But they brought the first fruits, the very best of their crops, back for the work of ministry. Now, there would be this festival, this feast. Thank you, God, for sending rain and sun and crops. We acknowledge that you are a good God, even in the midst of the decay around us. Now, why does God send the Spirit at Pentecost during the first fruits festival? The Holy Spirit comes inside you, but it's only the first fruits of it. But because you know that he comes in you to live, and there's a change that happens, that is an objective truth to remind you of what is one day going to be reality. Now, you say, okay, I'm not following you yet. I know. Stay with me. Would you agree that everything pretty much is in decay right now? The second law of thermodynamics Everything is subject to decay. This is really advanced physics for Paul, how he would know this. Some of you look great. Not going to last forever. You're, you're going to fall apart. Uh, some of you feel great right now, but you're not going to be able to hold on to that either. But that's not all that's disintegrating, is it? Even our families are disintegrating and decaying, aren't they? Some of you lost people that you love this year. There's death and decay all around. I, you know, my wife was away for a, about... A week, 10 days, and she came back, and I had my shirt off uh, out on my deck, and she goes, what's that on your back? I said, what? And she came over, and she said, Jeff, you need to go to the doctor. 
I've had this mole on my back for probably, since I remember, 16. But suddenly it had grown almost 10 times the size. And this must have happened in 10 days. So, and I've never seen my wife look worried. She's usually the strong one in the family. Seriously. And then when she got worried, I got worried. She goes, you need to go to the doctor now. So I called Kaiser. It just so happened I could get in. I got in. She, she, let me look at this. She looks, oh, she says, this is nothing. This, it's hereditary. It just, this just happens. This, this is not uh, melanoma. I'll just take care of it. This won't hurt. <laughs> this won't hurt. You ever want to slap your doctor? Hey, how's that feel? Huh? Hey, this won't hurt. <laughs> so she, what, is it liquid hydrogen? Is that what it is? And man, it stings. But you know what? It's not that I'm afraid to die. I've already made my peace with that a long time ago. That's why I can tell you the story. One day it's going to happen. One day the mole will be bad or something will get me, right? But I started thinking, it's not that. It's I'm afraid of how my children, how they will feel when they they see their mother organizing a parade. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, And holding a sign that says, free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, I'm free at last. The truth is, the truth is everything is subject to decay, isn't it? Everything. But someday, the air of heaven will come down into the throne room of God and into this universe, which is really only one big house, and the Spirit of God will be loud like a rushing mighty wind, and the voice of God will speak, and suddenly our bodies will be liberated from the bondage of decay. A new order will come because the old one has passed away. A new community. He will be our God completely and fully. We will see all his glory and we will be his people. Man, isn't that good news? You say, Jeff, Jeff, I like that news and I really want to believe it, but I'm struggling because how can I know? Well, here's how you can know. Because we have the first fruits of the spirit as proof that God's spirit one day is going to clean up this mess completely one day. He sends us the first fruits of his spirit now. Now, here's the deal. When you become a Christian and the spirit of God really does something in your heart, suddenly you're able to do things you never thought you could do. And the Bible in no uncertain terms says that you are elevated to a higher order of life. What does that mean? Well, the higher the order of life, the greater the sense of perception and awareness. All right, anybody in environmental sciences understands this. Let's take dirt. How much is dirt really aware of? Not much. Dirt doesn't say, you stepped on me, that hurt. There's not senses, perception, right? But then if you graduate from dirt to plants, plants can see some things. They don't have all five senses. And we even describe people as living in a vegetable state. We say, well, you're living, but it's a living death, right? But they're... They, vegetation, plant life is more aware than dirt life. And then you move to animal life. My dog Milo, he possessed all five senses. He can see and hear, but he's not a, he's not a rational being. You understand that? So you're graduating to a higher order of life, but he can't see justice and injustice. When the cat comes in, the cat would come in and eat his food. The cat doesn't experience guilt later on. I mean, let's face it. Cats never feel guilt ever. <laughs> They live with this ongoing sense of the entitlement. They're, 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 they're complete narcissists, and no, you love them, but that's what they are. Then you move to meaning and morality. Dogs can't sense. They don't have conventions to discuss the nature of dogginess or to deal with the problem of cattishness. 
Now, in a way of humor, here's the point. When you go from dog to humanity, we see so much more. Yeah, dogs have innate sense. I get that. But we possess a greater sense of justice and injustice and beauty and ugliness and right and wrong. The higher the order of life, the greater the sense of perception and awareness. Now, stay with me. When the Spirit of God comes in you, something happens. You graduate from this man to the spiritual man or woman, and suddenly you're able to see things you couldn't see before. You're able to have a sense of volition to do things you couldn't do before. And you have an awareness of emotion that you did not have before. And if you do not have that, and that has not happened in you, then I have to ask, have you ever discovered the full goodness of God and been filled with His Spirit? Because you see spiritual things when the Spirit of God comes in. You start to see how the hand of God has been involved in your life from day one. You have a greater sense of volition. You're able to do things you never thought you could do. You're able to break debilitating habits. The captives are able to be set free by the power of the Spirit in them. You're able to forgive people you never thought you could forgive. Your mother, your father, your brother, your sister. You're able to take hold of private disciplines that you never thought you could. You are moved to a higher order of living. So you sense his presence in worship. When you come in here, you feel his presence. You feel his nearness. You experience his power. And if none of those things are happening to you, I'm telling you, something has to change. We saw... As in a dim mirror previously, but now the Bible says you and I, filled with the Spirit, see face to face. It's like God wants to do with us what Superman's parents would have wanted to do. Now, little Superman, little Clark Kent, I don't think you know and realize where you're from. You got some power in you, man. Let me tell you where they come from. Where are you, man? You got to be careful in the West. You get so distracted by affluence and other things that this just becomes part of something else that you do, but there's nothing happening in you, man. You're not making headway over these things that are destroying you. You've got a cavalier attitude toward the sin in your life because you don't know both the holiness of God and the love of God. The Spirit of God has not consumed you. I've mentioned my friend Tim Price numerous times. He was a guy I met in Zimbabwe, professional golfer. We became good friends. Man, he was a hard Rhodesian. And if there are any Rhodesians in the room, let me just apologize right now. Rhodesians, they're racist, they're rude, and they're radically vulgar. Some of the most vulgar things I ever heard came out of his mouth. He said some things I didn't even know existed. (laughs) Fifteen years go by when I leave Zimbabwe and go back to New Zealand. I get a letter one day from Tim Price, handwritten. He says, Jeff, I met Jesus. And suddenly he said, I was coming back from South Africa, crossing by at bridge into Zimbabwe. I was by myself, it was dark, and suddenly all the things you told me began to make sense. They all came into my head at one time. I can't explain it. No, of course you can't. What just happened to them? The Spirit of God came in. Now, you have to understand, I hadn't seen him for 16, 15, 16 years, so I decided I was going to go back to visit Zimbabwe. We made an arrangement to meet on the driving range. I got out of my car and ran out to meet him. He was so gentle and soft. And he hugged me with tears in his eyes. This is not the same man I knew. His racism was completely gone. He actually started a golf league that he funded himself to help young African 
boys learn the game of golf. And many of those guys have gone on now to play on tours around the world. His attitude toward people changed. He was good to his wife. No more the language and filth. What happened? The Holy Spirit. Have you experienced that transformation? If not, then the Holy Spirit's not descended on you. Pastor Jeff, how can you judge me and say that? Because when the Spirit descends on you, you see the truth about Jesus and the transformation begins. You're never going to be perfect, but John Newton, who wrote Amazing Grace, said this, I am not what I ought to be, not what I hope to be, but I am not what I used to be. The Holy Spirit in me gives me power to see, do, and feel more spiritual things than I ever have before. Do you understand that? And if that's not you, man, if you're the same, there's a problem. I could go on and on about what the Spirit does. I think of Corrie ten Boom in uh, the Jewish concentration camps during the Holocaust. Here's a woman. Here's a woman. Just the death, the devastation, the horrible experiments, the rape, the starvation of this camp. And yet she gathers women around in the barracks and says this. She's famous for this. She says, there is no pit so deep that his love is not deeper still. How can you say that? Because you have the first fruits of the Spirit in you. And because you recognize that in you, there is an objective truth in you where you know that one day it's all going to be fine. You've seen the end of the tape. There will be no more crying or mourning or pain and we will experience the fullness of God. And we know that one day we'll experience the fullness of God because right now we have a down payment of the experience of God. And we know that it's true objectively because we have become different people. If we have not become different people by the power of the Spirit in us, no wonder we doubt that he'll come again and that heaven is real. Pastor Jeff, help me. What do I, what do I do? When I was younger, we sang a hymn that said, Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Melt me, mold me, fill me, use me. I love that, melt me. Let me see the truth of the gospel so my heart is melted toward your love. Mold me, shape me, change me into the person I need to become. Fill me every day with your spirit that I can see things that I wouldn't ordinarily see, that I could do things I wouldn't ordinarily be able to do, that I could feel things. Should be your prayer every day, fall afresh on me. Would you close your eyes for me? Bow your heads. Can we just pray a prayer together now, silently? Would you just pray over and over, all of those who really mean this, would you pray, Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me? Pray it over and over. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Open my eyes to who you are. That I can see you, who you really are, and be changed forever. Keep your eyes closed, please. There are some of you here, though, you just heard for the first time, the Spirit of God opened your eyes to what the problem in your life is. You've never given your life to the real God. And the Spirit of God has never come on you and on you. And you would love to receive Christ 
who is the exact representation of the living God. He is holy good and he is loving good. To do this, you know you're going to have to swallow your pride. You know you're going to have to do that. You, you know you're going to have to say, man, I, if I do that, I'll be admitting that, I, that all these years, something's not quite been right. Now, that's the hardest thing in life to do, isn't it? If you're in the room and you want to receive Christ for the first time, I want you to pray this prayer silently after me. Father, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and I accept Him as my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sins. I know they are real. And place your Holy Spirit within me that I may forever be changed. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, can we just open our eyes? Can we give God a praise for what he's done today? You've been listening to Today with Jeff Vines. Next time, we'll bring you a new message from Pastor Jeff. You can listen to more messages like this. Just search for Today with Jeff Vines wherever you get your podcasts. You make me want to dance and sing With every single breath I breathe I will bring this offering You are my wonder You bring the wonder Today 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 with Jeff Vines. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.